Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning. I just realized this morning I've been a bad son. Pastor Rick and Pastor Martha have been gone for like six weeks. I don't think we've said anything about it. <laughs> so they are coming back. They'll be back next week. I want to thank you guys mo- um, for those of you who have been praying for them. Uh, Pastor Martha is receiving treatments on um, on the mainland. And so they spent Christmas there with my brothers who live on the mainland. And so they made a whole trip, whole sabbatical out of it. But they have been blessed. And um, you can talk to Pastor. He'll give you a full update next week. Uh, but they've been blessed. My mom's health has really rebounded in a lot of really cool ways. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you guys for your pules for them as they've been gone. But we're going to talk today about, when we talk about New Year's, new beginnings. Last year we talked a little bit about that. What does it mean to have new life in Christ? Now today, i got to start by telling a story. Because you may have heard this story. You may not have. And it pertains to every single person in this room right now. This is your story as well. So there's a man whose name was Henry Opukaha'ia. I don't know if you've um, heard this story before. But Henry Opukaha'ia lived in the late 1700s. His birth date was debated, that's why I put 1700s, and he passed away in 1818. So the story goes like this. His village, I believe he was in Punalu'u, southern Big Island. Think Black Sand Beach, Punalu'u. So he was, his village was under attack, and he was carrying his 10-year-old brother on his back like a backpack, running away from the attackers. Caught an arrow, caught a, a spear, pierced his younger brother, killed him on the spot. And Henry Opokaiya was captured by those attackers. And I'm giving you the Cliff Notes version. This, this story is long and it's beautiful. But what happened from there was his uncle heard that he had been taken. His uncle was a kahuna. His uncle was a spiritual advisor. So he took him in and trained him in spiritual wisdom. Showed him how to be the, the life of a kahuna. And Henry had a, a dream or a vision or an inkling in his spirit one day, to jump and swim out to a boat that was passing by the islands. And this boat, and if you know the story of St. Patrick, it's actually a very similar story to St. Patrick, what happened to him. This boat took him to the east coast of the United States, where over the next few years, he learned English fluently, brilliantly. He sat at the steps of Yale. He received Jesus, and he had this amazing encounter with Jesus, and he became truly the first Hawaiian Christian on record, the first Hawaiian man who became a follower of Jesus. So Henry Opukaia went to Yale. The first, and at the time, he, the, the story goes, he sat at the footsteps of Yale, which was at that, that time a seminary. And he was crying because they wouldn't let him in because this is the beginning of the 1800s. This is the time of slavery. The color of his skin wouldn't allow him to get into Yale. And by God's grace, he got in. Missionaries came and supported him. He became a figure of what was known as the Haystack Revival. This is where him and five missionary friends sat under a haystack during a storm, and they cried out to God, God, would you do something new? Can you revive the Spirit, your Holy Spirit, in America as well as beyond? At the time, what the Haystack Revival was a fight against was there's a spiritual attitude that people who didn't look like me, people who had dark skin around the world, were not smart enough to know the gospel. This was the actual, you can read journals of, of missionaries saying it's not even worth trying to preach the gospel because they're just too stupid to get it. So Henry Opkaia steps into the scene and this man is brilliant. He learns English so fluently, he learns Greek and Hebrew fluently at university that the first Hawaiian Bible was translated directly from Hebrew and Greek. It's one of the purest translations, more pure than many other languages around the world. 
he was incredible. He, he launched the missionaries. He was the one who asked Bingham and Thurston, can you come and share the gospel with my people? And he passed away from um, typhoid, yeah? He passed away from disease shortly before the first missionaries arrived in Hawaii, so he didn't make it home. But he was the one who launched a spiritual renewal in these islands. Isn't that amazing? He invited the missionaries. He pushed them. He charged them. And he broke boundaries. Even when he was up in New England, he broke boundaries of what it could look like to, to be a Christian in this world today. And so this story is why you and I are meeting here at church here this morning. Isn't that crazy? That the, the word of God, the movements of God happened because of the faithfulness and obedience at one point of one man, and it grew to many, many people. And so here's a picture. This is a really quick snapshot. He, if you read his memoirs, you might be blown away <laughs> at the, the spiritual, the, the, the amount of forgiveness he had to walk through, the amount of healing that he had to walk through, the breakthrough that he found in Jesus. It was amazing. So this is why Loa Park in Hilo, people, the missionaries would come there and people would flock to hear the gospel. And the missionaries were like, what is going on? Why are people so hungry for the gospel here? And there's a couple reasons. We won't get into it today. There were prophecies in the culture already, from Kopihe, Havahava, spiritual leaders in the Hawaiian culture before missionaries came, that when the missionaries came, those prophecies were being fulfilled. So they knew this wasn't a foreign God. This was our God fulfilling his promise. Isn't that amazing? Also, there are Hawaiian people on board. We don't hear this a lot. The first missionaries who came, there were two Hawaiians on board. They had translators. They had people to say, listen to the gospel these guys preach. We believe it, and it's for our people. So it wasn't that the, the missionaries were just super, um, what's the word, uh, that they were uh, incredibly, you know, well-spoken or incredibly persuasive. It wasn't that that. It's that God had aligned so many wonderful things for this revival to ha happen. This last week, a couple weeks ago, I actually went to the Big Island, and I stood in this park, Wailoa, right there. And it's beautiful. You can see this actual spot where this depiction happened. I don't think the tree's there, but you see the ocean. You see this massive grass space. In the story, the records show that 10,000 people at one time came and fell on their knees and worshiped God in that park. And this is where the Hawaiian revival was born. 10,000 people in one park. Hilo was a small fishing village. There was no town there. The reason Hilo is a city today is because that's where the church was. There was no economic reason. It was a fishing village. There was no economic reason to start a city there. That's where God was moving. That's where people wanted to be. That's where the church was built. Isn't that amazing? And so here's why this is our story. For Hawaiian people... God has a rich heritage that he has been speaking to these people. He has been making promises and fulfilling those promises to the Hawaiian people since before we even began. Also, for all of us who are not Hawaiian, who still live in Hawaii, this is beautiful because we're all a part of this growing kingdom story in these islands. Isn't that beautiful? That this, you might have heard the term, Aina Momona, that this is rich soil. It is fertile soil. It's, it rings true spiritually as well. God has been doing something spiritually in Hawaii for a long time, and we're all a part of it. <laughs> amen? This is beautiful. So this is amen. And so this is um, Haile Church in Hilo, the first church built in Hilo. So what happened was they're having so many people come to know Jesus that they're like, what do we do with all these people? So they're like, we'll build a church, which is kind of stupid because a park is bigger than a church. You can fit more people in a park, yeah? So they're like... Western thinking. Well, let's build a church. They build a church, and I got to go inside. It's such a beautiful church. And they said the very first day the church was built, they had two services of 2,000 people each on the first Sunday. Just overflowing, standing room only. There's depictions of it that are just incredible. You're like, oh my gosh, people were squeezing into these churches to hear the gospel. Isn't that amazing? 
And then that's, a, that's an old picture versus a modern picture of Highly Church today. And so this is what, I was sitting there with missionaries and other pastors on this trip. It was a spiritual revival tour. And this question kept coming up, God, when are you doing it again? When's next? Amen? Anybody ever feel like that? Lord, would you do this again? Could you do this again? Could the, the heartbeat of us as a people in Kailua say, Lord, I want to see your Holy Spirit move in a place where Kailua is just wrecked, where like Kailua District Park, people are flocking there to hear the gospel and like weeping on their knees. Wouldn't that be amazing? And you know what's so funny is the, the records too, they call them the, those missionaries, they call them the hesitant revivalists or the ignorant revivalists. Because the Holy Spirit was bringing people in hordes. And, you know, they're very proper old school Western Christians. They're like, don't go on your knees. Don't fall on the ground. That's not what we do. That's not good Christian behavior. So they're telling people, get up, stop falling down. But people would come and just keep falling down. They had no idea what was going on. So it was nothing to do with the missionaries per se. It was that the Holy Spirit was absolutely wrecking people for with love and compassion and care. And people's lives were finding meaning and purpose in Christ. So we ask God, could you do this again? What would that look like for you and for I? And so we're going to talk about this. What does revival look like? Lord, send revival. What is revival? <laughs> the scripture has a lot to say about it, fortunately. But no, it's the, the flip side of it is the, the dark underbelly of revival sometimes is what happens when revival dies out. And I remember sitting in this church, listening to these kupuna tell us the mo'olelos of these, the church and the, the pastors there and all the beautiful things that have happened in this church. But right now, they have the hardest time finding a pastor for that church. Nobody wants to take it. Nobody wants to pastor it. The congregation is fizzling out. And it's a weird situation sitting in a place where you know the Holy Spirit has had brought absolute life and life was flourishing in abundance, spiritual life. People were coming to know Christ. People were, signs and miracles and wonders were happening. Healings were happening. And now there's this, ugh, there's this deadness, there's this stillness, this stuckness, and nobody knows how to get out of it. And what I realize is when we talk about revival at that level, the same thing happens here. I don't know about you, but God has done miracle things in my life. I've seen God do crazy things. I have been blessed by his forgiveness, his grace, and his favor. I've been redeemed of things I didn't think I could be redeemed of by his power alone. But sometimes I still find myself like, ugh, stuck. Like, ugh, you know what I mean? Anybody ever feel like you've had a dry season in your faith? Amen. Revival is God's way of getting you back out of a dry season and getting back in the saddle. Amen? This is what God is doing. And so I want to start the year talking about this because most of us, if we admit it, need that kind of revival. And I would guess that most of us are looking for that. That's why you're here. You're looking for the Holy Spirit to come and do something new in you, a new work inside of you. That you would know for sure that he is with you because you see the fruit of his spirit at work in your life. Amen? I'm going to take you to Ezekiel this morning. And if you're like, what is in Ezekiel? We never go here. <laughs> Ezekiel gives a powerful vision in it from Ezekiel 47. Before we jump in this, I just want to say this too. Like, COVID has created a dry season for some of us. I, I don't know about you. I felt a spiritual dryness with, during COVID because a lot changed and it took us off. It kind of knocked us off balance. So we're trying to figure out where we're at spiritually with stuff. And dryness does this thing. It moves you from a contributor to a critic. Isn't that true? If you're in a dry spell spiritually, you start becoming really cynical about things, really critical. You come to church and, ah, the music, blah, 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 right? This is, all of us do that. Or you come in, or the, the pastor is preaching too long, or whatever it is. We all come, we come with our criticisms. 
Because our rational brain takes over what our heart doesn't want to admit and then admits that we're in a dry place. We're not in a good place. We're not in love with Jesus in that moment, or so it seems. And so we want to make sure that we're, it keeps us from contributing to the active body of Christ rather than, you know, it keeps us from doing that and it keeps us in criticism mode. And um, I don't know, anybody launch fireworks on New Year's? Here's a, yeah, you're like, wait, what? Yeah, I love Hawaii because fireworks go crazy. And I was watching the neighbors do it and the neighbors get young kids too, yeah? And the neighbor kids were like lighting it up and I'm like, how, they're too young, don't put them that close to a firework, but eh, whatever. So they go, and their eyes, as the thing launches, and it blows up like blue, orange, yellow, flashes, colors. They're like, whoa. And then you look over to the adults, and the adults are kind of like, when's this going to be over? You know what I mean? Jesus asks us for the faith of a child. It's a faith filled with wonder and awe for who he is, amen, for what he has done. And sometimes in our maturity, we call it, right, as we grow older, we get into a place where we watch the fireworks God launches, and we're like, "Uh, you know, I want that wow back. I want that wonder back. Anybody else? Like when God moves, I want to see him. I want to feel him. I want to be like, oh, my gosh, God, you are doing something amazing. You are still so good. I love you, Jesus. So let us walk into that together. Amen? So here's the, um, oops, getting ahead of myself. So, Let's, uh, there we are. So um, Ezekiel 37, 47 says this. He says, in a vision, Ezekiel's given a vision. Remember, if you're reading Bible, vision happens. Think symbolism, metaphor, because oftentimes visions mean something. My vision, the main, sorry, the main, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. The temple. What is this thing, the temple? The temple is where God would would reside in the Old Testament, where he had covenant with his people. But as we go into the New Testament, Paul says something amazing. He says, the temple is no longer in Jerusalem. The temple is now your spirit, your body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We call the church the new temple because this is where we're two or more are gathered. When we gather in Christ's name, he is here with us, dwelling with us. The church is a temple. Our body is a temple. Anywhere where God resides is a holy, sacred place. So it says this, in my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw, what? A stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on the south side. Now stay with me here. This gets gets so many details, but think of what's being said here. He sees a picture of the temple and a river is flowing out of the temple. Does that make sense? The river is flowing outwards. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Here's an important thing with directions when we read scripture. East generally symbolizes things away from God, away from the presence of God, into the wilderness, into the darkness, into the place where God is not. When you move west, you move into his presence. When Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, it says they banish them east. Because when they banish them east out of the presence of God, that's the nature of the sin. The sin nature fell upon them. When you come back west, where did the wise men come to find Jesus? They came from the east to the west. You find Jesus, you find God when you come west. You go away from God when you go east. But here's what's interesting. The temple, the residence of the Holy Spirit, has a river that flows eastward. 
It flows into the darkness, into the wilderness. This is a beautiful picture. Then it says this, on the last day, the climax of the festival, sorry, jumping over to John chapter 7, here's what, a little bit of insight of what they might be talking about in Ezekiel. So John chapter 7 says, the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And it gives us a description. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit of God who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered his glory. So thank you for that description, John, as you wrote that. But here's what Jesus is saying. He's using the same language as Ezekiel. He says, come to me because I have a river in me that never stops flowing. A a fresh living water. And that is the Holy Spirit. Yeah? And then you might remember this in Acts 2. Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit invades the entire church. He says this. He quotes the prophet Joel. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit upon my people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my Spirit even on my servants. Men and women alike, they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Here's the point. Jesus Jesus fulfilled the promise that Ezekiel, that Joel were talking about, that there would be a day when the Holy Spirit would flow out of us in a way that's uncontrollable, and it gives an absolute crazy amount of life. So for many of us, Christianity, our faith walk, we frame it around coming and receiving. We come and we eat. We come and we drink, as Jesus says, come and drink. I have this ever-flowing river. We don't often take the next step and say, okay, I come, I drink, but how do I drink enough to where it flows out of me, right? This is my kid. We get, used to get these bibs for our kids when they were young. They had like, um, they're, they're plastic and they're supposed to catch drinks. But when Michael would drink too much, it would go down, it would spill, and it would go out everywhere. This is literally the visual God gave me as a young dad when he's talking about this passage, that you would drink so much of the goodness of God that it would flow out of your bib and shoot across the table to everybody around so everyone in your family gets wet. Amen? This is the, this is the visual that you would have not just enough to drink for yourself, but there would be a flowing river that would come out of the temple. What is the temple? It's you. It's your body. It's your spirit. Your existence is where the Spirit of God dwells if you've received Christ. So everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I want to ask some questions this morning. Question for 2022 as we start the year is, what's currently flowing out of you? What's currently flowing out of you? Is it giving life? Is it fresh water? Is it, um, you might have heard the story in the 90s, the Alawai Canal, known for its beautiful, crystal clear waters and thriving life. Just kidding, if you know the Alawai Canal. It's gross, yeah? So I think it was the late 90s, I want to say. I got to double check the date. But they had a, a sewage backup in Waikiki, and they had two options. You guys, some of you guys been around a while, you remember this. They had two options. We either block, we either basically put a, a cork in it, 
So it, it would back up every toilet in Waikiki. All the hotels would all be backed up. Or we release this somewhere. And someone made the decision, let's release the doo-doo water into the Aloai Canal. And they released it. And it was terrible. And that Aloai Canal flows to the ocean. A guy, na- a guy actually fell in it. And he fell in the Aloha Canal by accident. They pulled him out, took him to the emergency room, cut a flesh-eating bacteria. They amputated one arm, then a leg, then another arm, then another leg, and he ended up passing away. But here's the point. Is from the surface, people, he didn't, when, you asked, when they asked him, like, oh, did he know? No, it was, in the water. It was an accident. But they, people, all his friends said he had no idea that they had just put a bunch of sewage in the canal. From looking at it, it might look the same. But... The contents, you sometimes you have to be in or see the effects of the water to know what kind of water is coming out of your life. Amen? So what kind of fruit is being born? Kind of what Alyssa was saying this morning. It's exactly on point. What kind of fruit is coming out of your life? What's flowing out of you? Is there good things? Is there joy and happiness and peace and patience? Is, your, is there family connection? Is there reunification? Are people in your family and your friend circles knowing Christ and walking in, in redemption? Or is what's coming out of your life the fruit of your life like the Aloe Canal? It looks like one river, but it's actually just full of flesh-eating bacteria. <laughs> I'll let you chew on that. But here's the idea. Is the, the water that flows out of us is a good water. It is a fresh and clean water. It is the good water. And so when Christ flows out of us, things change. Things get healthier. People become redeemed. Lives can be changed. Atmospheres can be changed. All sorts of things can, be, can happen when Christ enters the scene. Amen? When it's his water through us. And so take a look at this next verse as, as Ezekiel goes on. He says this. He asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Right? So he's watching the water leak out of this temple. And he says, then he led me back to the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. This is healthy water. This is good fresh water. Look at the fruit of these trees that are growing on the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make salty waters of the Dead Sea sea fresh and pure. Isn't that good? And if anyone's been to the Dead Sea, it is 10 times saltier than the ocean. No life lives in there. I actually had a picture of me floating in it, but it wasn't doing a good job. So I wasn't, because I was real, I was real lot heavier at the time when I went. So I was like, oh, I'm going to send a picture of me floating. And it was like me sinking. So it kind of does away with the, the analogy. Like, so you can be, look how salty it is. And it's like me sinking in it. So Here's the point. The Dead Sea is so salty, no life can be in there. It is, that's why it's called the Dead Sea. And uh, there's a, this is a true rumor that I heard when I was in Israel that there used to be people who would go and put their fishing lines in the Dead Sea. So when tourists came, they'd be like, oh my gosh, there's fish in there? What are you catching? And they're like, give me five bucks and I'll show you exactly what we catch. It's a secret kind of fish. And people would pay them and then find out there are no fish that live in the Dead Sea. So these guys were like, usually, but here's the point. Everything in the Dead Sea is dead. Like, makadai dead kind. Like, there's no, like, microbacteria. There's nothing that can survive in that level of saltiness. So, there will be swarms of living things in the Dead Sea. Think about that. Swarms of living things in the, the deathliest deathbed ocean that there is. There will be life in it. 
There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows, wherever the river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Isn't that incredible? I love this line, life will flourish wherever this water flows. May this be the banner of our life, that life will flourish where the river of my heart flows. That is, is so, God, help me, God, as long as the Holy Spirit dwells within me, may I step into a room and life flourish. May I be a presence in my family and life flourishes. May my relationships with my kids flourish because of the, the river that lives inside of me. So here's, and you remember, you might remember his vision just a few chapters earlier where God tells him, go and breathe, breathe a breath into dry bones. Watch dry bones come to life. It's the same idea. Watch what is dead come to life. So if you're with me this morning and you experience some kind of dry season, here's what we're asking. Could it be that while we're waiting on waiting on God to do something new, he's waiting on us to help this river flow out of our lives, to walk it out. Amen? So this is sometimes what we're doing. Sometimes we get stuck waiting. And it's funny, I was on this trip this last week, and I was with all these YWAM missionaries, and YWAM guys are like the most passionate people I've ever met in my life. They're like, like Jesus revival all the time. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm just getting caught up in the hype. And I'm realizing, I'm like, man, there's all this talk about revival, but nobody's talking about what it would look like to actually walk out in obedience what God's actually asked us to do. Amen? So could it be that while we're waiting for the Holy Spirit, and sure enough, Holy Spirit will come into his thing in his timing, may it be that our job in this season is to be good stewards of a fresh flowing water. So here's question number two. Is that did you realize that following Jesus means that you're a part of the revival of all that is dead? Have you thought of that before? Have you thought of your life beyond your own salvation? which is awesome, that we've been saved by grace through faith, that there is nothing that can take us away from the love of God once we enter relationship with Christ. But even more than that, that our calling is to be salt and light, to go out into the world and make disciples, meaning the, the love water that flows out of my heart helps change lives so that they may see the source of that water, which is Christ himself. And when they start walking in that, when they taste that water, God says in Proverbs, taste and see that the Lord is good. Drink that water. See for yourself that the Lord is good. But our kuleana is to help people taste that water. Amen? That's our job. Hey, you know how Jesus is. You know my life with Christ. So much different. Let me tell you, let me tell you my testimony. Let me tell you my story. Let them taste and see the goodness of God. Bring them to church. Some of the craziest things that um, I've noticed in the last couple of years, you know when Jesus says that, uh, the workers are, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And he's saying that you're going to reap harvest that you didn't sow. Seeds have been sowed a long time ago that you're now going to harvest as my people. It's a beautiful promise. I remember in youth group, we had a couple kids just drop in and they just were like hungry for God. Like just started crying during worship at youth group on Tuesday night. We're like, oh my gosh, I didn't have to do, I didn't have to preach to them. God encountered them, right? But it was our kuleana to step up and be like, hey, have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? How do we walk with you through that? And so whatever that case is, the Holy Spirit plays his part, but the harvest is around us. Here's the point. If you look around you close enough, there is somebody who God might be asking you to give a little cup of that water. Be like, try taste this. Super good. I guarantee it. And when they do, they're like, oh my gosh, there's something different about this. There's something beautiful about this. There's life in it, and they'll find it. So did you realize helping fight back the deadness this dry spell that we might see in our culture 
happens when the people of God step out and offer water to those around them. So he finishes the verse this way. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea. I love this. The fishermen will stand along the shores. There are no fish in the Dead Sea. But now when the, the river flows into the place of death, life comes and fish are swimming in this place of life. The goal is not to jump in and be like, yay, there's fish. It's to be fishers. When Jesus found fishermen for disciples and he says, drop your nets, you're going to become fishers of men. Could he be referring to this passage? Stand at the edge of what is dead and help me fish for people. Fish for the Dead Sea all the way from Engedi to um, Eglaim. The shores will be covered with nets during the sun. There's going to be a huge harvest. People are going to come to know the goodness of God. People are going to come to Wailua Park and fall on their faces and then cry out to God that you are our Savior. This is going to happen. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea. All kind people, different skin colors, different languages, everything, all nations, all tribes, all tongues, all different kinds of fish will be filled in the Mediterranean. But the marshes and swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall. And there will always be fruit on their branches. Wait, what? Always. Anybody who gardens know you get seasons. He's saying there's no more seasons. The fruit is going to be ongoing. Even if it's off-season, you're going to get fruit. That's crazy. For they are watered by the river that flowing from the temple. Here's what, it, what he's saying. It's that people in your life, if fresh water is flowing out of you, the trees in your life, where that water is nourishing, is going to produce a fruit that doesn't make sense. It's producing fruit off-season. Wait, you, re you received Christ? Really? You? Wait, you've been redeemed? You've been transformed? Even you? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But guess what? That's the kind of water that nourishes these trees. That's the power of the water of Christ. There is no season. So if we feel stuck in a dry season, guess what? We've been believing a lie. There is no such thing as a dry season in Christ. We live in a constant wet season. The power of God is always available to us, and we can walk in power and love whenever we decide to. Isn't that amazing? There is no season. There's no season for bearing fruit. There's seasons of our lives where God walks us in growth and maturity, but in terms of walking out our discipleship, catching fish, making fishers of men, there's no season. It's all the time. Anybody, um, oh, now I'll go into that. Anybody ever get stuck trying to grab on lobster when you see it's, but you know it's not lobster season? You ever been in that situation? Okay, nobody. Okay, when I, I, every time I find lobster, it's not lobster season. It drives me crazy. I was like, every time I look for them in season, it never happens. But every time I see one fat lobster just walking in front of me, and I'm like, I'm going to grab this guy, I'm going to cook him, and I'm like, wait, dang it, it's not season. I can't take this lobster. We bind ourselves by seasons. In Christ, there is no season. I, you can grab that lobster whenever you see him. You can drop that, like Alyssa said, you can speak life whenever it, you feel it hit your heart, even if you're in a business meeting, yeah? Like even if you're in the, the wildest place, even if you're in a romantic relationship and you haven't got to that level yet, you can talk about faith, whatever it may be. There is no season. There's no boundary. The living water flows, and where it flows, it will bear fruit. There's no stopping it. So, I've been pressing buttons without knowing it. So it says this, they will be watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be good food 
Sorry, the fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. Wow. If you and I are trees or the people in lives, we're nourishing the trees in our lives. They're bearing things that are going to be healing for others. They're bearing fruit that are going to be food for others. There's a question here. Do we have the foresight to invest spiritually into things that we might not see what the fruit and the leaves are for? Sometimes we're nearsighted. We want to see God. I want to see impact right now. I want to feel what, you know, impact, that meaning and purpose in my life right now. Can you give that to me? And he will sometimes. But sometimes the case is the, the nourishing that we're doing to the trees around us are going to bear fruit and leaves for another season of healing and food for somebody else. This is the nature of discipleship. Amen? So last part of this verse says this. Oops, getting ahead of myself. Here's our challenge, or question number three, is what kind of fruit is being produced around you? Is it noticeable? Do you notice fruit, the living water of Christ coming outside of you? And this isn't, should it be a thing where like, oh, junk, I'm so bad at this? No, 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 most of you are actually really good. You know, when Pastor Rick and I sit down and talk at story, like just about family stuff, it naturally bends into people in our church. Like, oh my gosh, have you seen this way this person serves? Yeah, God's doing something in them. Have you seen the way that this person gives? Did you know that this person gave money to these people when they needed it most? Yeah, that's amazing. All this kind of stuff. We see the fruit, you guys. This church is amazing. You guys, if you could see, if, we could, if I could paint a picture of Noah Kailua right now, it would be one fat river with big old mango trees producing all kind of fruit. Can we do better? Yeah. But good news is this is a good, fruitful church. I love being a part of this church. And so you guys don't take this as a like, oh my gosh, I must do better. Yeah, we can all go do better in this. But here's the thing is there's something that lives within you that is flowing and it's nourishing and sometimes you might not even notice it. You might not even notice it in the way that you have patience with coworkers. And there, it's, it's building fruit, but you don't have any idea why. Right? The way that you be able to walk into forgiveness, that you don't take offense to things. This is fresh water flowing out of you that you might not notice, but it's bearing some kind of fruit. So this is a fruitful place, and I believe it. So here's the question for us, is let's make this a year of flowing out. Amen? I, I, I get a, I'm very um, much guilty of this myself, where I create a faith system or a faith walk where I'm so into routine, and in my routine, I start feeling dry spells because I'm like, God, where is your newness in this? Flowing out is going to demand a sense of newness. Isn't that true? If you start walking out the water that God has put inside of you, you're going to interact with people you may not have interacted with before. You're going to step out of zones that you're usually not comfortable in. But guess what's there? Newness, fruit, leaves that bring healing, trees that are fruitful and are going to multiply. I believe that. And so this Haumana series that we're talking about starting, I really want to encourage you. This has been the heart of us as a staff at church, and we've been praying about it, is what would it look like if our church, the river that's already flowing out of you, the stream that's flowing out of you, what if we get our streams together and make one massive, like, waterfall? You know what I mean? Like one massive river when we walk it out together, what would that look like for our community, for our families, for us? How would we grow? It's going to be a beautiful thing. So let me just encourage you, if you have um, Tuesday nights off, make sure you're going to be here on Tuesday nights. More details are coming. But this Halmona series, we're going to ask this question, what does flowing out life look like? How do we flow out? 
most of us get stuck in that question. I have so much love to give, Pastor Mark. I just don't know where to do it. I like serve and I like give, but I don't know how. And so we're going to do it again. Kako, we're going to do it together and see what God does. Isn't that going to be amazing? So I'm going to pray for, for that, that every single one of us would fight for our own sense of spiritual revival in our own hearts. That revival might happen because as not just our church, but many churches are deciding to say yes to the things of God. Isn't that amazing? Are you guys excited for that? I believe in it. I believe that God is going to do something new. So what I want to do is I want to stand, and we're going to worship one more time. But before we do, I just want to ask if uh, you to, yeah, go ahead and stand up. I want to ask if you this year, standing at the brink of 2022 right now, if you're in a place right now where you feel like, Pastor Mark, I'm in a dry season. I don't know what looks like for me. I don't know what moving forward. I don't know what this river you're talking about might even look like. We just want to ask God to come in and make that clear. And we want to ask, if you don't have faith in Jesus, can we ask you to put your faith in Jesus this morning? So when we, when I, I'm going to pray, and when we pray as a, as a family here this morning, I want you to pray with me in your heart. If you feel like, I don't know Jesus, I've never felt this river, I've never felt the power and the love that you're talking about in a tangible way, may you put your faith in Christ this morning. May this morning be the time you do it. And then for the rest of us who have our faith in Christ, may there be a newness in our breath that we would be able to breathe life into dry bones. They would be able to see fish swim into the Dead Sea because of the richness that comes out of our life. Amen? So let's all bow our heads. For those of you with heads bowed too, for those of you who feel like, man, I know about Jesus, I don't know him personally. I want to put my faith in him, but I don't know what that looks like. I pray that you would pray this prayer with me right now. Jesus, I trust you. I trust your plan for my life. I trust you created me. I trust that, you're, that you died on the cross for the sake of my sins so that I could be set free. Free from the sins in my life, that I could be set free from the expectations of the world and the weight that I carry, that I could rest and abide in you. I agree. I, I say, yes, Jesus, I believe. And if that's you here this morning and you believe in Jesus, you confess it with your mouth and you believe it in your heart that Jesus is Lord. I want you to ask in your own spirit, Jesus, can you come and live within me? Come abide in me. Make a dwelling within me. Help the rivers of this temple flow out so that everyone would know their ankles would be wet, their knees would be wet, that nobody would be able to miss the power and the beauty of God in my life. Go ahead and talk to him in your own heart. For those of us who feel like we're in a dry season, we recognize that COVID has made us spiritually dry. That we've wandered from the good things, from the childish faith that loves and is, has awe and wonder over the things of God. That we feel numb and apathetic to this world around us. Jesus, revive a spirit in our hearts where we're so overflowing with love and compassion for people. That we would remember beyond our work, beyond our family, that there is a kingdom come and that is what set this universe is centered on. 
that King Jesus is coming back and he's going to rule over us. May this be the heartbeat of every single one of us. May we never lose sight, God, that you are a good shepherd and you pursue those who are not with you. May we have compassion the way you have compassion. May we take care for the lost and the poor and the vulnerable the way that you did. Jesus, would there be a burning fire in our heart that disciples would be made, not just fans of Jesus, but followers of Jesus. People who walk in your ways. Jesus, renew a right spirit within us this morning. Father, give us the, the vision to see what a life with you would look like. Give us a community here at church to be able to walk that out and ask this question, Lord, what does this outpouring look like? What could, this, what could this be? Father, turn our hearts from contributors back into the temple of God, not just critics. Give us a passion for your word, a passion for your name, and a passion for your kingdom. Father, whatever dry bones are left in us, come and breathe new life. God, give us that breath. Honey us, Lord. Give us your breath within us so that it would move out from us. That is our prayer this morning. And so, Jesus, we just pray all these things as your believers this morning in the house. We're excited for things to come. We're excited for a new work that, is, that was, began 2,000 years ago, but it's still new for us today. Jesus, we love you, and we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's worship him. Aloha, church family. Thank you so much for joining with us in worship this morning. We truly hope that you were refreshed and, and strengthened in your faith during these crazy pandemic days. We want, invite you to look at all of our messages. They're available on our YouTube channel. We'd also invite you to download our church app. It's just a great way for us to keep in touch, to communicate, also for you to receive materials. So uh, take advantage of downloading that church app. We would invite you to partner with us as we continue serving God faithfully during these days. And you can give online, you can give on our website, uh, or mail a check into our street address. We really appreciate your support with that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord grant you peace. We love you. Aloha.